I think the uh, current state right now is it, it continues. Um, so we're seeing uh, deals continue to come through. We're seeing multiples holding their level right now. But when we talk about what the outlook looks like, I think with the increase in interest rates and also the supply chain and the inflation, I'm expecting multiples to start to decrease. But I'm also expecting a lot of opportunities for buyers and sellers out there. So I, I think the activity still continues. Welcome to the MBBI Trends in M&A podcast. Our topic title for this podcast is State of the Industry with Supply Chain and Inflation. I'm Paula Cook with Huntington Bank, your host for today's broadcast. Today's guests are Brady Paschke, who works with the Private Equity and Deal Services team with CLA, and joining him is Dan Glomsky, Principal with SVA. Brady and Dan are both current MBBI board members in Wisconsin, as well as both of their firms, CLA and SVA, are current MBBI Wisconsin chapter sponsors. Brady, Dan, thank you both for joining me today. But before we get our conversation started, would you both mind introducing yourself and your respective firms? Brady, I'll start with you. Thanks for having me today, Paula. I'm looking forward to the discussion. My name is Brady Paschke. I'm a manager at CLA in our private equity and deal services practice. CLA is a professional services firm that serves private businesses, governments, nonprofits, and the people who own and lead them. Ultimately, CLA brings balance to get you where you want to go. We do this through the CLA promise, which has four essential elements. The first is our purpose. CLA exists to create opportunities for our clients, our people, and our communities. Our promise is to know you and help you. CLA has a family culture and operates as one family, working together to create opportunities. Lastly, CLA has four strategic advantages, which includes deep industry specialization, seamless integrated capabilities, and CLA is the premier resource for private businesses and their owners. And at CLA, lastly, we have inspired careers for our people. Great. Brady, thanks for joining us. Dan, how about you? Well, Paul, first of all, thank you for inviting us to uh, do this podcast. I think it's going to be a, a great topic and an opportunity for us to kind of share some of our knowledge. Uh, my name is Dan Golomsky. I'm with uh, SVA, one of the principals. Our organization is a uh, CPA firm that represents clients in the, about the $5 million to $50 million in revenue. Uh, so more midsize, uh, maybe some on the small size. Uh, all family, closely held businesses and uh, we you know, hit the assurance, the tax, uh, M&A, valuations, estate planning, uh, the normal CPA type of uh, activities. And you know, our focus really is to just give the attention to the client that uh, helped them through a transaction or whatever their current situation is. Fantastic. So we have two great full-service accounting firms with us this morning. Um, so let's get our perspective on, or your perspective, on the state of the industry and what you both are seeing with your clients and your firm's activity. Um, you know, has deal activity remained active with your clients uh, now that we are in a post-COVID environment? And, and what is the current market outlook, in your opinion? Uh, Paula, I think the uh, current state right now is it, it continues. Um, so we're seeing uh, deals continue to come through. 
we're seeing multiples holding their level right now. But when we talk about what the outlook looks like, I think with the increase in interest rates and also the supply chain and the inflation, I'm expecting multiples to start to decrease. But I'm also expecting a lot of opportunities for buyers and sellers out there. So I, th I think the activity still continues. Nice. Good. And we, we still need your help, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Good. Brady, anything to add to from your perspective? Yeah. I think similarly to Dan, I mean, we're seeing deal activity still pretty high. Um, deal numbers, volumes are, are not quite as high as they were last year. Last year was a record year. However, you know, we're still seeing significant volume for good businesses. Um, I think, you know, the outlook is, is maybe a little yellow and in, in maybe not green as it, as it has been just due to the inflation and rising interest rates. Um, I think deal activities might slow down a bit, but it's not going to stop. There's always going to be a market for really good businesses out there um, that are managed. And, you know, just looking back at some of the numbers we've seen over the last, uh, you know, year or so, just with the high volume we've had, um, private equity, for instance, invested over a trillion dollars to local businesses over the last year. 74% um, of those businesses had fewer than 500 employees, and 56% of those investments had fewer than 100 employees. So I think there's still an interest in that lower middle market where we serve, and um, I think there's going to continue to be that interest, uh, even in the current environment. Are both of you seeing new clients that you're servicing or really primarily in your existing book of, of clients that you work with? Um, we're seeing some new clients, but a lot of it is the COVID and all these, you know, the employee issues, the supply issues and inflation are now kind of causing some owners to rethink their strategies. Right. So I think we're seeing, you know, a lot of more getting ready for sale type of activity. Um, and so therefore it's our current clients, but we do have, you know, a lot of prospects coming in with that, uh, expectation as well. Good. Good. Brady. The, the yeah. Same. We're seeing a lot of existing clients. Um, I would call the aging business owner that is looking to prepare for some type of transition with their business. A lot of times what we're seeing more often than not, that is in, is a sale to a financial buyer or a strategic buyer rather than a transition to um, another generation of the family members. And so we're seeing a lot of activity in, in preparation for sale. So I think, you know, just in knowing that, I think the, the market is going to continue to remain strong. Right, right. Sounds like it for sure. <laughs> There's a lot there. Yeah, no, that's good for all of us, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, so with the supply chain issues that most, if not all businesses are experiencing, what are some of the things that buyers and sellers need to be aware of um, as they target working capital needs and, and the number that is being established for them, how can they protect themselves and their businesses? Um, Paula, for, you know, for the supply chain, the, the biggest issue there is that we haven't experienced this in a long time. And so what, it, what it's creating is, you know, we want to run through a deal and use our same methodologies that we've used in the past, and it doesn't produce the same results. So we got to be careful. Um, you know, been involved with transactions like, or oh, using trailing 12 months of working capital or trailing six months, you know, some kind of historical trend. And the problem with that is that that's not necessarily, you know, setting what the appropriate working capital is. So we got to be careful there. We also have to be careful because of the supply chain issues that, you know, if you have inventory in hand 
and that inventory when you're looking to buy or sell is still there, maybe it's not really good saleable inventory. And so I think we really have to look long and hard because people at this point are scraping for everything they can sell, right? If it's not bolted down, you know, we're selling it. And, and so if it's not moving there, we really probably have to be real as far as its value and, you know, kind of lay that out. And then we also have to look at the backlog activity and determine whether that backlog activity was created as a result of us not having enough working capital. So, in, you know, in a case where my sales could be much higher, but I don't have the ability to sell that inventory, it's starting to, you know, skew with the numbers, and what are you going to do with it? So, um, so those are some of the things that, that, you know, I've been experiencing. Uh, Brady, what are your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I would, overall, just as, as a generalization, I've seen working capital levels increase dramatically over the last six months. Um, most of this is primarily driven by inventory um, and then accounts receivable as well. Uh, it, the inventory levels uh, with commodity-type driven businesses, obviously commodity prices have gone through the roof. And so looking at inventory levels that using that a trailing 12-month example, for uh, instance, may not be the appropriate methodology when we're looking at a transaction that might close in the next six weeks or so. Um, just due to the, the level of inventory volumes might have held steady. However, the inventory value has gone up dramatically just due to the inflation in commodity prices. And then similarly, uh, you know, with other types of manufacturing businesses, inventory levels have, have risen just due to supply chain issues in that maybe there's a finished good and there's one component that's missing before the, co the company can ship the product out the door and they're waiting on that, that component because it's stuck on a ship overseas on the ocean. And so these inventory values have gone up because they're continuing to produce, but they can't actually ship the product until they finish this component. And so looking at kind of the backlog analysis and the normalized inventory levels and, and looking at each business uh, as a unique business um, individually, I think is is very significant component in the transaction right now. And have you seen your clients be able to obtain that financing need? So as you build in, you know, the need for the working capital, have you seen any pushback saying from a lender perspective because those numbers are different today than they have been historically? What I've seen on the, from the lender side is the situation where Brady just described where it's on the ship or yep. something like that. Uh, those are not problematic from a financing perspective, mm -hmm. at least what I've experienced. Uh, but there is the level of working capital increasing and, and clients trying to acquire more inventory because it's now a, a pain point or a fear. Mm -hmm. So as a result of that, there is more financing needed and not necessarily, be, it's creating backlog, which is creates a, somewhat of a financial strain on the business, which has caused some financial institutions to put a little bit more pressure on the business. But for the most part, they seem to be working through this as a short-term thing. We just got to make sure it doesn't become a long-term situation. Right, right, right. No, that's great. Um, what are you both seeing as far as the impact of the supply chain issues having on your historical due diligence analysis? Yeah, I can start with that one, Paul. Um, I, I would say the, the most obvious impact right now is just the impact on margins um, and the ability for management teams to pass through rising costs to their customers. I, I think the most attractive businesses that we're seeing in the marketplace have really strong management teams that are able to pass these 
costs along to their customers and maintain these margin levels within their business. Um, and, and kind of the pain point, you know, of a business that maybe is, is not quite as strong or attractive to a potential buyer is, is a management that team that's not able to pass that along or has long-term contracts with customers where they're locked into certain prices and they're seeing uh, margin erosion just due to rising rising costs. Yeah, so your normal analysis is is doesn't exist today, right? Yeah, I think I think there's a, a traditional analysis that we're looking at, but you have to kind of understand what's driving um, certain trends within the financials and and how you might be able to manage through those and and uh, you know continue to maintain a profitable business. Right, right. Dan, anything to add to that? It's just that you can't look at the historical and just accept it. Uh, it's still an event that occurred, and it's kind of how that business operates. I think it's looking at the percentages a little bit more, uh, but really understanding the current state of that business. And a, a lot of buyers and sellers do get into that, right? But it's it's not the normal process, and, and the attorneys no, might not necessarily be thinking about it because they're working on the, the agreement and that type of thing. So it's just a point where we don't want to surprise people. So at this point, we're trying to just get ahead of it. Uh, I'm adjusting. I'm looking back further in time now and seeing what kind of trends or percentages might have existed, trying to adjust them a little bit more. But it's volume. It's how much inventory I, can, I have. How much can I get my hands on? And, and there's a lot of variables that need to be considered. So when somebody goes into buying a business, they're fully aware of what they're acquiring. It's just likewise the seller's aware of why there might be an adjustment. Right. So kind of a loaded question, but do you both see the supply chain issue coming to a cure anytime soon, or do you think it'll be a long waiting game? Personally, I think it's a long waiting game. Uh, there is there's continuous freight costs. There's continuous uh, shortage in drivers. There's you know things that shut down in China. There's a variety of variables that just continue to impact that supply chain. It's never had the ability to just open up. It's not like somebody was stopping everybody at a fence and letting everybody out now. It's, there's just too much that has to happen there. I think we're in a supply chain issue for the next two years at least. Brady, what's yeah, your waiver I, on that? I would agree <laughs> with that. Um, unless the, I think the, the big variable is unless we see demand slow. Um, right now this is kind of a, a, you know, it's the supply and demand. It's a demand-driven uh, issue here. And so far, you know, looking at our clients' backlogs and, and the deals we're working on, that demand is still there. And so these supply chain issues have not resolved themselves yet. And so we can't, um, we haven't seen it normalize yet. Uh, this appears to be at the moment the new normal unless we see some relief yet. Uh, so we just don't know. Nobody does. No, that's the truth. Um, all right, so let's switch over. So being in the state of inflation, we talk supply chain, let's talk some inflation with price increases and rising interest rates are happening all around us. We just saw a significant hike last week and um, some may be of the opinion that we're not out of it yet. We may see some, some more this year um, and likely to be on the continued rise. So what are some key transaction items that buyers and sellers should be aware of while evaluating their transactions? Yeah, I would say that you want to first of all, evaluate that revenue growth, right? So if we have inflation, we're increasing prices, so therefore our revenue is going up, right? But what does that revenue growth really translate to? And I, we gotta be careful on what that really means to the organization. 
Um, then we have to look at the business, and, and we always do this in any deal, is look at what their significant costs are within that business. But what's the impact of inflation on that? And, you know, the reality of it is there's just so much that uh, inflation impacts a business. I have clients right now that, you know, they thought, oh, we'll just project or budget this, and all of a sudden they're starting to look at, and all of a sudden these costs or price increases come, and they're not ready for the price increase, right? So they still need a little bit of time. They're, they're flexible enough to get them out there, but that invoice already has hit them as far as that cost. Right. So it's, it's happening fast and furious at this point. So it's affecting margin, it's affecting growth. When you really look at your analysis, I think you really have to be real on the level of inflation that you need to bake into these numbers. And do you have a baseline of what you bake in? Is it a 25, 35, 50, 100% increase? <laughs> I know it's all over, you can't really pinpoint yeah. it, but um, any kind of starting point? At a minimum 10. Uh, so I'm not, um, yeah, I mean, when you say 20%, 25%, I that wouldn't surprise me either. Right. It, it is significant. and. You know, the price increases, we've seen probably a, a lot of our clients have gone up 10% in their uh, percentage of increase in their products, and they're still seeing costs increase greater than that. And then field surcharges and everything else that's hitting them, it is, it, it's, a, it's a significant number. Yeah, that's definitely um, a pain point probably. So Brady, anything that you see with the inflation and yeah. what you... I think one thing to add to you know what Dan's already covered is just uh, employee retention. Um, that's a significant struggle that a lot of companies are dealing with right now, um, especially in the rising uh, wage environment and, and just keeping up with uh, wages and, and paying their employees to be committed to coming to work and, and performing the duties that the company needs in order to service their clients and customers. Right, so they can retain them and not lose them, right? Right any kind of baseline there that you've seen or recommended to um, provide that increase to those employees? I, I haven't seen benchmarks yet. Um, I think just, you know, maintaining some type of, you know, culture I think is big. If a company has a, a strong culture um, with uh, loyal and, and interested employees, that that's big. Um, and then just maintaining awareness to current um, trends in, in comparable uh, positions is is another thing that management teams should be looking at to just maintain um, employee retention, really. And then, you know, looking on the other side of things, you know, that cost obviously has to be burdened somewhere. And, you know, how can we pass that cost along to customers and, and continue with, you know, ongoing price increases to customers just because, uh, you know, as a management team, somebody's got to pay for that. You don't want it. You don't want it. You want to maintain the profitability. So right, right. absolutely. Um, so, is there one or two points that each of you would like our MBBI community or any other listeners to take away from our discussion today? Uh, my one point would be we have to be cautious on that EBITDA number, number, and what its you know true production or opportunity is and your ability to make changes within the, the, those organizations to meet those. Okay, that's great. Right. Yeah, I, I would just, uh, you know, kind of summarize in, in making sure that you look at each individual transaction or business or deal, and, you know, individually, each uh, transaction is always going to have some unique components to it, and just making sure you understand the various nuances within each transaction and, and what's driving certain trends and, um, you know, how the management team's reacting to 
cost increases and inflation, that kind of thing. Got it. So the devil's in the details, right? Right. <laughs> well, thank you, Dan and Brady, um, for all your insight and commentary, all very insightful and helpful for all of us. Um, thank you to MBBI, CLA, SVA, and Ray, our audio engineer, for hosting us today. This is Paula Cook with Huntington Bank signing off for MBBI. Thank you and enjoy the day.